Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Before we get started with today's show, I really wanted to take a moment to tell you about something very exciting that's coming up soon. On Thursday the 1st of April at 7.30, we are running our Find Your Specialism webinar. This was a big hit when we ran it back in January and lots of you got in touch to ask if if we were going to be running it again and I'm very pleased to say that we are. So in the webinar, we're going to cover why you need to specialise, the secret of a successful specialism, and then we're going to help you figure out what your specialism can be. And I really encourage you, if you are feeling overwhelmed in your private practice, if you're struggling with all the things that you could do, all the shiny objects that are out there and you need a bit of clarity to move you forward, this is the webinar for you. I'd really encourage anybody who's starting out on their private practice journey to join us for an hour of free training Uh, I'll be there as well to answer any questions that you might have about getting started in private practice Um, and there will be a special offer at the end for anybody who's thinking about joining our next cohort of psychology business school in April so that is the 1st of April at 7 30 and that's 2021 for anyone who's listening in the future and I hope to see as many of you as possible there all the links that you need are in the show notes So on with the show. Today I'm talking to Ali Lin. Ali's joined us all the way from Philadelphia in the US, so we're really lucky to have her. And we're extra lucky because Ali used to be a therapist, got burnt out and then found writing. And now she helps other therapists to write the copy for their websites. And I'm really thrilled to have her here to give us some top tips today. So hi, Ali, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Rosie. Thank you so much for having me. And so I can't wait to talk about writing because um, I am a writer at heart. I've written my whole life, Um, but I know it's something that so many of the students on psychology business school particularly struggle with because it's not something that you have to be good at to be a therapist or a psychologist. Um, And it's a real skill in itself to be able to communicate with with your audience through writing. So I'm really looking forward to getting your top tips. And I'm sure there's going to be loads of notes that people are going to want to take. So top tip, go and get yourself a notepad if you haven't got one already. I've got mine (laughs) Uh, and I'm expecting to be making some notes today. Um, But before we dive into that, let's find out a little bit more about you and your journey. So how did you find yourself where you are today? Yeah, so I um, was a therapist for five years. Um, Primarily, I was a dance movement therapist, although I did a lot of other types of therapy. Um, And I worked mostly in inpatient psychiatric hospitals, which really burnt me out. Um, I just am not built for that kind of uh, setting. And um, I kept trying and I kept trying and it just wasn't working. Um, And I started getting sick and I was getting stress migraines and I couldn't do my job. And it was just, you know, anxiety attacks. And um, I finally decided to step back. And around that time, I met a freelance writer. Um, She writes for lawyers, uh, but she told me what freelance writing was. I started looking into it. Um, I've always been a writer myself, but, you know, I was more of a researcher in grad school. Um, So copywriting is a completely different set of skills. (laughs) It's a completely different set of skills from writing books too. And so Mm -hmm. um, 
I found a course uh, about a year ago. Yeah, about a year ago now. Um, and I, uh, it's very comprehensive. It kind of walked me through like, you know, what SEO is and how to write for, um, you know, marketing and how to use your writing in a storytelling way and um, how to write the way you talk. So once I found that, it really helped me guide myself into being a business owner, um, which I hadn't thought of myself for a while. I kind of was like, I'm going to write, I'm going to be a writer, but I don't really know what that means. So once I found copywriting, it gave me um, a lane to go down. Because mm. I think a lot of people listening to this might have an interest in writing. You know, maybe they enjoyed writing academic papers, maybe they've written journal articles. Um, but like you say, it's such a different thing when you, you sit down, you're trying to sell yourself through your writing. I think a lot of people, they look at the cursor and it blinks at them and there's just a total blank. Um, I know that's how I felt when I came to write my first website. I just had no idea what to say about myself or communicate as me on there. Um, so, yeah, it's great to hear that that you managed to kind of find a way to channel your existing talent into that and learn that skill set mm -hmm. yeah and also I think you know you don't have to be a therapist to write for therapists but I think it helps a lot <laughs> and why do you think that's so helpful well because I understand the world of therapy I um, have done CBT I have done DBT I have done creative arts therapy I've worked in different settings so I know what and I I've I've studied you know, different types of therapy. So when I'm talking to a therapist for the first time, I, I, I have a base knowledge of what they're, what they want. And that sounds so valuable because I think our biggest fear often when we think about outsourcing anything in our businesses is, you know, what if I'm misrepresented in some way? Or what if what I do is misrepresented? Because you do see, you know, people making sorts of unscrupulous claims especially on social media um where you're like actually you can't say that I mean the worst one I've seen was around EMDR I actually had to report it um saying that you could be cured from trauma in just three sessions and yeah yeah you're doing the face Ali is doing the face we're all doing right now um where you're like no that is not a promise that I want to make and it and it would be the worst nightmare, I think, of any therapist uh, that somebody might write for their website in, in that kind of way. Whereas I guess with all your knowledge about what therapy is, what it isn't, what the process is like, you can infuse that into, into the way that you write for people. Definitely. And I will say I've had someone reach out to me who did claim that they could cure trauma in, it wasn't EMDR, I forget what it was, but that's, so Rosie's now making the face that I'm <laughs> Um, yeah, and it was definitely like, I don't want to write for this person. And you know, that's the great thing about being a freelance writer is you can choose who you work with, mm -hmm. um, just like they can choose to work with you. Everyone is, you know, has agency in that. Mm. I imagine that is really important in that relationship. You have to fit. Um, because I don't do copywriting, uh, the, the writing that I do for other people is uh, blogs, usually psychoeducation stuff. And I won't work with an organization that isn't a good fit because neither of you is going to be happy because, you know, you'll write what you believe in, what fits with your values. And if your values don't align, then you're just going to get, 
yeah pushback it's not going to be fun um, and I imagine that's even more so when you're writing for somebody's business and, and what they do in the world it is and it's it's funny because you know just like as therapists you decide who you want to work with who's your ideal client I have my version of that too mm -hmm. So, you know, in the beginning, you're trying to just work for as many people as possible. And then you start to realize, oh, wait, if I'm writing for everyone, I'm writing for no one. Mm. Yeah, that's such a useful message in, in lots of ways, I think. And actually, a lot of people listening to this, um, I run a, a business school, psychology business school for psychologists and therapists. And I ha often have to have that conversation with people at the beginning, like you don't have to work with everybody. And actually it puts you in a stronger position if you say no to some people who are not the right client for you. Um, but that's so hard to do at the beginning. Did, did you struggle with that at the beginning? Um, yeah, in the beginning, I was definitely taking on clients who weren't necessarily a good fit for me uh, value-wise, but also culturally, I was getting clients, which was great from other countries. And it just wasn't, it was really difficult to cross culturally right um, in the way that they, in their voice and the way that they needed. Yeah, I can imagine that's really difficult in what you do because you're literally trying to get into people's heads and speak as them. Um, so you need quite a high level of understanding, I would think, between you and the client. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to only write for people who are exactly like me, but at the same time, you do need to figure out where your lane is and what's best for the client. And am I going to sound like you and fully represent you? Mm. And, you know, thinking about what what makes a good client, like what you need as a person, um, as a business owner to work with a copywriter, I guess you really have to know your own voice first. Would that be fair yeah. to say? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think, you know, I know I started out writing blogs for myself. Um, so just kind of practicing. And then I, you know, I write my own blog on my website every week. Um, so that's something that helps me, yeah, find my voice and then realize how my voice is different from this client's voice. Mm. And yeah. sometimes it takes a little while to get their voice right. I mean, it's, you know, it's a working relationship that takes a little bit of time. Yeah, I can imagine. Because I think often um, through like challenges and things I run in the wider Do Modern Therapy community, we do things like blogging challenges sometimes. And the, the difficulty there is often finding that voice that you're comfortable with. Because we all know how we speak, but we speak differently with different groups of people and trying to find the way of communicating which feels right for a, an audience of potential clients is actually really difficult, even though I feel like if you if you sit down a psychologist or a therapist with their ideal client, they will just naturally talk and they'll be warm and communicative and they won't use jargon usually. Um, tapping into that in the written word is really difficult for a lot of people. Have you got any tips for how people can can find that voice? Um, how therapists can find that voice? Yeah. I think that it's important to think about who you're speaking to the most. So who is your audience? Are you writing to your ideal client? Are you writing to people who you want to be clients? Um, maybe you're doing both if you're trying to reach your ideal client. So I think that that's the first step is knowing who you're talking to. 
Because like I said before, if you're talking to everyone, you're talking to no one. So figure out who you're talking to and then talk out loud, record yourself, um, write things and read them out loud. Um, and also don't be afraid to write something that's not good at first. I mean, that's the big, that's the first thing, right? Sit down and write the crappy first draft before you get to the polished step. That is so important because we're such perfectionists, I think, as a profession, that often that's what holds us back, that we won't put out that thing that's going to flop. <laughs> like with, with the blogs, if I go back to the first blog I ever wrote, that was not particularly good. But I learned so much from hitting publish and getting feedback from people. And even just once you've published it, weirdly, you look at it differently as well. And I noticed things about it once it was out there that I want, wanted to change and, and adapt. So I, I really feel, I, I think you're really onto something there, getting something out there. And I love the idea of recording yourself as well and seeing kind of how you naturally do speak. That sounds straightforward, but I imagine a lot of people really struggle with it still. Um, so what are the biggest mistakes you tend to see psychologists and therapists making on their websites? I think a big use of jargon is the first one. Um, I think writing the way you write for a research uh, paper um, is a big one. As a therapist, obviously you want to show authority in your field, you want to show that you have expertise, but I think there's a way to do that that comes across as user-friendly to your clients and potential clients. So you need to really think about what are they gonna understand? What are they gonna connect to? It's all about them. And I think that's another problem too. I see a lot on websites, for example, is like your about me page is not actually about you. It's about your clients and potential clients. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I think, you know, sometimes people read like a resume um, and that doesn't engage people. That is a really good point. I think I often say that really good marketing is actually really good listening. And it's just about reflecting back what people need from you when you've gotten to know them a bit. Um, but I think what I hear from people a lot is that, people's fear when they write their website copy is not what their ideal clients might think. It's what other psychologists and therapists might think. It's that peer judgment fear. And I often wonder if that's behind the massive list of qualifications, if it's kind of screaming, I am good enough. I am, don't judge me. <laughs> um, yeah, speaking from personal experience, it's quite hard to let go of, of listing out all of your qualifications. Absolutely. And I think there's a way to show your qualifications and show you're qualified without it being a list of a resume, because every page of your website should engage your clients. You want them to stay on your website. You want them to read about your services. You want them to read about you and the, the about you really needs to shine through who you are as a therapist and what you can do for them rather than a list of this is my training. This is where I studied. People don't care about that as much. They want to know your trainings and your qualifications, but they don't really care where you studied and what your last job was. Mm. So it sounds like the about page for the website might be quite an important page. I was going to ask you actually, what are the important bits to work on? Yeah, so um, number one is your homepage, because if you don't have a strong homepage, people aren't going to stay. 
Um, and it's not just about making it pretty, although having a nice visual design helps, but you can get away with really simple. My website is very simple. I don't have a lot of pictures on it, uh, but it gets the point across. And so you wanna make an impression on your homepage. The about page is important. If you show what people, what they can expect, I think that's even more important than the about page. Um, although people want to know who you are. And then I think having a blog is really important. Um, and it's important for a couple of reasons. One, it offers resources to potential clients and your clients. Uh, it helps people understand your frame of view, what you believe in, what you want to, what you care about, what you do. Um, but also we haven't gotten to the copywriting side of it yet, but the SEO search engine optimization is huge. Mm -hmm. Uh, when it comes to blogs, it really boosts your, uh, SEO, which is what people search for. It, it's what ranks you in a Google search. So if you have strong SEO, you're going to show up, you know, first page, second page, because people don't really click past the second page on a Google search. No, I don't think, I think my attention is possibly lower than some, but I don't think I ever make it past page one. Exactly. Mm. And that's, and that's where we want you to be. And we do that through a lot of different ways, but one of them is consistent, relevant blogs, because when you write as a copywriter or when you're writing in general for marketing, you're writing for three people. You're writing for people who skim, people who dig, and Google. You're always writing for Google. Mm -hmm. So you have to think about what is Google going to pay attention to? And there's a lot of specific things that we can get into detail for or not, but um, there are very specific things that you need to do for a website to optimize it. And blogs are one of those ways. Okay, so having a blog page is really important. And um, I'm glad that you said that actually, because um, blogging is something I love and I talk about all the time. Um, and I think I often think of it as like useful for building your authority, useful for having links to send to people if they inquire and have a question. Um, but also it is, it's telling Google over and over again, this is who I am and what I do. And I think where I've gone wrong in the past, I had a site once <laughs> that was beautiful, but almost impossible for Google to index because I had so much going on and I had no thought in my head about what keywords I was using that when I put myself in the position of one of the bots that like crawls around Google, that's how I visualize it and doing a little crawly hand um I thought actually I wouldn't be able to make sense of what I did either um so I can see how a blog would really help you to do that what are the other bits that are really important for Google yeah so you mentioned keywords which are very important and you know so if you're in let's say you're a cognitive behavior therapist and you want to rank in a Google search. CBT or cognitive behavior therapy is a very saturated mm. keyword. So you're gonna want something that's what we call long tail keywords. So it could be CBT for depression in Philadelphia or CBT for anxiety near me. Um, that's a stronger um, long tail keyword. Um, still might not get you to page one, so you wanna use other things, but keywords are really important um, things that you don't think about, like a meta description, which is when you Google someone and a title tag too, when you Google someone, um, you get their name. So when you Google me, it'll say mental health copywriting, Allie Lynn. 
And then underneath that, there's about two sentences that describe what I do that use my keywords. So I'm using mental health, I'm using copywriter, I'm using therapist, because that's what I want people to search for. Ah, you see, I, I think I'm really guilty of forgetting about those things. Um, I like blogging, so I pay attention to it, but I'm really bad at remembering kind of all of these other little strategies you can use to try and get seen. That sounds yeah. really important. And there's also, I, I meant to mention length of pages and length of blogs is really important. So blogs, for example, Google won't recognize anything less than a thousand words. So you want, it, it's not enough to just write up, you know, 500 words and stick it up there. You need to be thoughtful about what you're writing. You need to use your keywords in your blogs as well. And they need to be different every time. Um, so you're not constantly writing mental health copywriter in every blog for your keyword. That's not going to do anything for you. Um, but then also length of website page is really important. Um, because if it's too thin, if it's like 300 words, Google won't crawl it. So again, there's a fine dance because you don't want it to be over a thousand words on a page because no one's going to read that and people are going to click away. So I find somewhere in like the five to 800 word is a really good realm to stay in, depending on the page. Some pages are shorter and some pages are longer. Yeah, I think that's really important because it's that's a skill, isn't it? Like that's a skill that you will have had to have learned and spent a lot of time honing. Because I know even if I'm thinking about my homepage now, but kind of a faraway stare because I'm just trying to like conjure it up in my head. I think it's probably too long because you think of all the things you want to say to your potential clients and they tend to kind of come out of your brain and onto the page when actually putting yourself in your client's position rather than yours, they're probably quite overwhelmed when they get to your website. And they're not likely to want to read masses and masses of text. So Rosie, you talked about um, what pages you asked about what pages are most important. Mm. I forgot another one, which is actually something that you might not think you need. And that's an FAQ page. Ah, That's a really great place to use keywords. So also, one tip for um, trying to rank higher in SEO in a more saturated thing would be to use the phrase like, what is or how does X work? So something could be on your FAQ page like, what is CBT? Um, how does CBT work for depression and anxiety? So that's another page that is actually really important. And then also you want like a services page um, as well. Yeah, I, I love the idea of an FAQs page. I think somebody did mention me, to me before that I should have one. I haven't done it. So it is now top of my list um, because it does make sense, doesn't it? That if I am on Google typing in questions, which is what we all type into Google, then your FAQ page might be the thing that pops up as the right answer. Yeah, that makes loads of sense. So you mentioned earlier that your writing, you, need to, you needed to learn how to tell a story in your writing. And I've, I've heard that, that, that stories are a really great way to engage people. And when I've done a bit of testing, it has definitely turned out to be true. But how do, you, how do you learn to craft a good story? That's a really good question, Rosie. Um, I think, I don't know, for me, some of it is a little bit intuitive. 
Um, I think sometimes it comes naturally to people who are storytellers. I think we're all storytellers in our own way, uh, but I think some people block that and maybe don't let it tap into what they're doing. Um, but as far as crafting a good story, I think you just need to use your empathy, which all of you therapists have, obviously, um, and use that to think about what's going to connect to my audience. What are they going to relate to? Is it my story? Is it a story about a client? Is it, it, it could be, it could be a, a variety of storytelling, but I think that, you know, you do that, it's easy to do that in blogs. I think you also can do it in newsletters, in email sequences. Um, if you think about when you sign up for when you opt into an email sequence and you get those emails, they're often stories. They're often people telling you, you know, this is something I experienced. How about you? You've probably experienced this too, that kind of thing. Yeah, that makes loads of sense. So would you say that there's any space for storytelling on the main website or is it mainly something for our blogs? No, I think there is storytelling on the main website. I think, especially if you um are someone let's say that you are a creative arts therapist and you um found your type of creative arts therapy through a certain way that will connect with people um, who maybe are artists or maybe you know want to connect with their creativity and they haven't found a way to do that in therapy um, so i think there's a way to use not necessarily your own personal story word for word on your website, but I think there's a way to infuse that storytelling into the copy. Hmm. Yeah, I really like that idea. I think there's always a bit of a fear sometimes in sharing ourselves in our in our copy. But certainly when I think about you know myself as as a parent, if I was looking for help for one of my children or if I was looking for help for myself I think in this day and age I would actually need a bit of that in order to trust somebody enough to use their service. Yeah I, I have a client who's an equine therapist and her we're working on her website now but one of the things she currently has is like what drew her to the horses. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be you know disclosing every little thing about you because um, you obviously don't want to do that but it can be as simple as what was my inspiration? What guided me to this place? Because like you said, that is what's going to help connect people when they're looking for a therapist. Because mm. you need to be human. Exactly. I think people have a fear often that the therapist will be judgmental, um, which is literally the opposite of what we do. But I think, you know, when I've asked people, what were your real fears before inquiring with me? It was always, oh, that you were going to judge me, that you're going to tell me off. Um, that you were going to tell me I was stupid for worrying about this or I think that's really what people are holding when they're struggling to book that call with you and just a little thing like that like oh, I really really love horses or you know I struggled with um, with panic and the horses really helped me through it I can really imagine that just lifting the the weight of, of fear off somebody's shoulders yeah definitely really powerful uh, so I suppose I wanted to ask you whether, um, is there an easy way of telling whether your writing is working for your audience or, or whether it's sort of missing the mark? Well, the first one would be, are you getting new clients? So that's, 
number one. Um, are people finding you? <laughs> tangible, exactly. Um, there are tools that I like to use to find out, you know, just analytically what's happening with my website. You know, one of the things about SEO that I should mention is that it takes time. So if you're starting a new website or if you're starting a blog or if you just optimized your website, it could take a couple months, mm -hmm. um, sometimes three to six months, depending on how often you're updating, you are you writing a blog every week. Um, I mean, I took my web page to page one by doing my blog probably within a couple of months. I would say like maybe three, maybe three months, but I already had a website that wasn't optimized. So, um, yeah, so I think that that's one of the ways, um, I actually forget what your original question was. <laughs> and so I was asking how we would know if our writing was working or not. Sure. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest one is, are people finding you? Are you getting more clients? Are you getting more referrals? Um, are people signing up for your newsletter email list? Uh, that's a big one. Um, if you're on social media, are people engaging with you? Um, I know a lot of therapists are on social media now. So, um, and I know you've had that on your podcast and you've talked about that. So that's something that um, is a big, and actually people don't think about that as copywriting, but I write for social media too. I mean, I write posts for people um, to increase engagement and to get them to other people's websites. So I think that there's, yeah, I think I think it's kind of a little bit like the proof is in the pudding or people coming to me. Um, but then also there are, there are tools I, I use, I'll, I'll drop one, um, Ubersuggest, mm. um, which is a great free tool where you can like type in your domain name and it'll do, it'll crawl your website and you can find out, you know, what, you know, are people coming? Are people linking to me? Um, that kind of thing. That's really interesting. I've heard Uber Suggest talked about before and I'll link to it in the show notes for people, but I didn't realize that it could tell you what people are already using to find your website. That's really interesting. I'd love to know. Yeah. <laughs> It'll show you what keywords you're ranking for. It'll show you, um, there's something called a backlink, which is just when another website links to your website and that gives you more authority. Um, so it'll show you how many backlinks you have. Like you can do a lot of stuff, even with just the free version of Uber Suggest. I'd highly recommend it if you want to see what kind of traffic you're getting. Hmm, that is really interesting. Thank you. Um, another one that I've used before is Google Analytics. And we've got um, a class in the membership actually about how you can use that. And I think that can be quite good for seeing if there's a particular page which is doing well for you. If there's a blog that's really resonating with people and being found a lot. Yeah, that was gonna be my next one was Google Analytics. So you beat me to it, but yeah, absolutely. So are there any other ways that we should be using that to check up on whether our writing is working? I don't know. I mean, I think, I think it's hard because you want to know that people are coming to your site. And so something like Google Analytics or something like Ubersuggest is going to show you maybe your bounce rate. Are people sticking around? Are they leaving after three seconds? How long are they staying on your website? Um, so I think using tools like that is probably one of the best ways aside from, you know, finding out whether people are coming to you or not. Yeah, and I suppose it 
it allows you to diagnose the problem, doesn't it? So I, I imagine this doesn't happen too often, but if theoretically you had loads of people finding you because you were ranking quite well, but then they're all leaving really quickly, then maybe you can see that there's something inconsistent or something doesn't quite fit when they actually get on your page. Absolutely. Yeah, you could just spend all day, couldn't you, really, analysing this stuff. And in a way, I imagine there's probably quite a lot of people listening to this thinking, great, (laughs) this sounds brilliant, uh, but I don't really feel like I've got time to develop this skill. Like maybe they've already got a successful practice, they're really busy, um, but they want to maybe reach a more ideal type of client. They want to change their specialism slightly. Or, or may, maybe, like me, they've built one successful uh, website and now they're thinking of switching domain and the thought of kind of doing it all again is making them quake in their boots. <laughs> um, so when is a good time? How do, you, how do you know it's the right time to hire somebody like yourself to do copywriting for you? There's a couple of stages. So the first is when you're starting out. Um, so I have a client right now who just started a private practice and um, we built her a new psychology today profile, which is something that I, I write a lot um, because those are really important. Those make a first impression in a big way. You know, one of the, when I'm looking for a therapist, I go on psychology today and just start looking for people that specialize in what I need. So I think that's a big one is having a strong psychology today profile, uh, with her, she is just, like I said, starting her private practice. So we're starting her from scratch. So I've done a couple of those. Uh, but then I think, I think it comes down to, you know, feeling like you're not getting enough clients in the door feeling like you're not, maybe, maybe you've just learned what SEO is. You've realized you aren't doing it and you just don't have the time. I mean, I think that's what it comes down to is, you know, there's a lot of therapists out there who are, who are writers like yourself um, and who are good writers, but don't have the time for it or don't have the SEO knowledge for it. Um, and so that's when like a website would come in handy. Um, even if you already have one and you want to redo it, um, if you want to start a blog, you've, again, you've learned maybe that blogs are going to be helpful or you've started one and you just can't keep up with it. Come to me for that. Um, if you want to start building an audience through email sequences and newsletters, that's another great opportunity for a copywriter. Um, social media is another one. If you're feeling like you just don't have the time, um, you know, you like doing it. I mean, that's the thing. I, I work with a lot of people who really like writing and who really like doing it. And like I said, just don't have the time for it. So yeah, I think it's down to, you know, knowing like, and also knowing when you're financially ready. I mean, I think that's a big one too, because copywriting is not a cheap craft. Um, and so being in a place where you can afford to do that is a, is a big part of knowing when you're ready. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think um, over the past week or so, a couple of psychology business school students have reached out to me asking questions about like, how do I know if I'm ready to outsource X or Y? And it's really difficult. And I can't say that it's something that ever gets easier, whatever stage you're at in your business, there'll always be a question in your mind, like, can I afford to outsource this? (laughs) Um, But I think with something like copywriting, for me, it would be about, you know, 
if you, if it makes you feel sick, if you really struggle, if it's the thing that is going to stop you from putting yourself out there and getting any clients, then maybe you have to outsource it really early. If you can get enough clients to feel comfortable and be paying yourself a decent wage, <laughs> because often that's the thing that doesn't happen, right? <laughs> if you're paying, if you are comfortable enough and you're paying yourself a decent wage, and you know that you could earn more if you weren't spending loads of time um, trying to, to get all the writing done, then that's also a really good time to outsource it. So I guess it depends really what it means to you. Because in the early days, when I had no clients, I had time to write. So I, I could kind of do it. Um, and that also did give me a bit of opportunity to learn my voice a bit. And, and is that a helpful thing? If, if somebody knows their voice a bit, is it then easier for them to kind of work with you and, and get you up and running quickly? Yeah, that's a really good question, Rosie. I absolutely think so, because the more they know their voice, um, the better they can translate to you, like you said, what they want to see. Mm. Um, one thing I like to do, I give, I give my clients homework. Um, I give them what I call a branding worksheet and it's, you know, who, how, what, and when, um, and it really breaks down for them, you know, who am, are my ideal clients? What am I offering them? How am I doing it? When are we doing this together kind of thing? So um, it, that helps if they don't already have their voice, if they haven't already written a little bit, that kind of thing forces them to, um, even if it's not going to be seen by anyone but me, it makes them think about, you know, okay, well, what do I, what are the words I would use to describe myself? What are the words I don't want to be associated with? Who am I speaking to? That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that seems really valuable. I remember um, thinking about, I didn't go ahead with it, but I did think about outsourcing some of my emails because that's what I get really overwhelmed by that. I would really like to outsource some of the um, functional emails because when you sell an online course, there's so many emails that need to be there in the background, the reminders, um the ones that are like oh I've noticed you've not logged in for a little while are, are you getting on okay is there anything we can do to help loads of emails like that and I've written every single word of every single one of them and I really wanted to outsource it and yeah it's, I think I will outsource that in the future um but but one of the things I was thinking about when I was sort of in conversation with somebody about maybe doing that was like, I actually randomly, well, it's not random, but I capitalize a lot when I'm trying to emphasize something. And I really started to notice the little like foibles I have in my writing. Like, I, I use the three dots all the time. <laughs> and now those things annoy me about myself, but. <laughs> it's, it's funny because I find that, I found that about myself too. You mentioned, you know, finding your own voice. Mm. And I, I think one of the things I do is like, as well as, or I use the word can a lot, like, instead of just this does. Um, passive voice is a thing that you learn really quickly whether you do it or not. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it, 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 is, it is interesting learning about yourself, the things that you do. You know, am I using all caps or am I bolding and italicizing, which is a little bit more um, user, like it, it attracts the eye more when, you, when you're capitalizing, it's kind of screaming at you. <laughs> Yeah, which I think might be what I'm trying to do sometimes. Um, yeah, it really made me laugh, actually, when I noticed that. I was like, wow, <laughs> that's, that's something. But I think that's why there's so much value in what you get your clients to do, writing out that 
brand style sheet or brand voice sheet or whatever you would call it I think that I can imagine that really making people pay attention because you do have a voice already you might not have tuned in and recognized that voice but if you've ever written anything you do have a voice and getting it out on paper like that I guess you can decide with the client what you want to keep and what you want to run with and exaggerate versus what actually might be a bit unintentional and you probably don't want that to be there like I use Grammarly um which I've only got the free version so it's not supposed to tell you that much about your voice but it does it show it flashes up these little emoticons at me that say things like you sound angry <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> that's so funny I use Grammarly too but I've never seen that <laughs> yeah it's really weird so with mine it's got a little angry face um, and it's got a hug space and my writing seems to oscillate between hug face and angry face. <laughs> um, so it's it's really made me pay attention, actually. I do recommend that if anybody hasn't got Grammarly, especially if you use Chrome, you can get it as an extension. And then anything that you're typing anywhere, it will give you some spelling suggestions and some grammar suggestions, which I find are 50-50 useful and not useful. Yeah. generally my spelling is poor so generally those are useful but some of the grammar suggestions are bizarre at best agreed yeah sometimes <laughs> you have to hit dismiss <laughs> yeah um, but it also does do this um like rough and ready analysis of your voice um and it can be really helpful for telling you if you're coming across two form two formals it's got another one it's like a buttoned up shirt which I think means this is really formal sounding and if that's not what you're going for it's really useful to notice that yeah, I'm also going to give uh, your listeners another tool, um, which is really helpful in finding your voice in writing is called the Hemingway app. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's, on, it's not an app on your phone, it's actually on the computer. Um, and the Hemingway app, you can copy and paste in everything you've written and it'll grade you on like, this is a grade eight reading level. Um, oh, wow. And you, when you're writing copy, you want to keep it like middle school. Um, so you're aiming for like grade six. So what's that in the UK? What age is that? Um, so grade six would be like 12, 13. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So you're, so sometimes I go to grade eight, um, depending on what the topic is, but um, you really want to stick around that middle school writing level. And one of the things that this app does is it'll tell you like, how many times you use passive voice and how many adverbs are you using and how many complex sentences are you using? And you can see like, oh, I just did a three, you know, line run on sentence <laughs> and it made sense to me, but maybe I need to break it up. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a really good tool to see, you know, what you're doing and it catches you like, oh, I just used 20 adverbs. Maybe I only need to use 12, mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing. That's really interesting because I think, you know, there will be people um, listening to this who they're not at the point yet where they can hire out their copywriting. So having some tools like that, which can help you to just develop that first bit, that first page is going to get your first few clients so that maybe you can think about outsourcing further down the track. I think that could be really helpful for a lot of people. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Um, I guess one thing that I ask almost everybody who comes on the podcast, which feels like a bit of a selfish ask, really, um, but I really want to know, is what kind of two action steps would you want psychologists and therapists listening to this to go away and do now? 
Oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, I think the first thing to do is to take, is actually to like take stock of what you want out of your marketing, what you want to get out of your writing, how you think that's going to help you. And are you equipped to do that yourself? If the answer is no, and you are able to afford to hire a copywriter, that really is the next step because then you can get rid of all of that off of your plate. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it's just figuring out, you know, am I ready for this? Like we talked about before. But um, I think that that's the ultimate step when it comes to being at a point where you can afford to outsource mm -hmm. um, is just doing it and having the conversation with your, with your copywriter, um, getting set up, figuring out how they work, learning about each other, and then entering into that relationship. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think there'll be a lot of people who di literally didn't know that copywriting existed <laughs> um, or that there were, you know, people with a mental health background doing it. I think that's so reassuring for a lot of people. I personally, I wouldn't want to work with somebody who didn't have a mental health background. You know, I was really, I, I found you on Instagram um, and I'm going to link up all your profiles so that other people can do that too. And I was like, oh, this woman, she's got a mental health background and she's good at copywriting. That is a marriage made in heaven because this podcast and the Do Modern Therapy movement is all about getting the right messages about mental health out to more people. And ultimately, we need to have good writing behind us to do that. And, it, and if you're not in a position to, to give hours and hours and years to developing that skill set yourself, then brilliant. Let's buddy up. Let's team up with the people like yourself who have got those skills and and get our messages out that way so I, I think what you do is really exciting and what a brilliant way to to use your knowledge and passion for mental health um, so thank you so much for sharing so much value with us if people want to connect with you what's the best place for them to find you um so you can find me on instagram at ali lynn writes um, and Rosie said she's going to link that so you can see how that's spelled. Oh, you, you can also go to my website, www.allylynnwrites.com. Those are the two best ways. You can hit the contact me page. My email's on there as well. Or you can, um, you know, DM me on Instagram. I'm also on LinkedIn as Allie Lynn. Um, so you can find me in any of those places. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Ali. Thank you, Rosie. Before you go, I just wanted to hop on and remind you to book your place on our Find Your Specialism webinar. We have had so much positive feedback about this free training since we ran it in January that we've decided to put it on again for you. So many people have come back to me and told me that it's helped them to beat the overwhelm and start a practice which hits their values and helps them to live the kind of life that they want to live. And that is something that I want for each and every one of you. So if you're just getting started in private practice or you've been in practice for a while but you're not sure that you're running the business that you really want to be running, then please do come along to the free training on the 1st of April at 7.30. 
In the session, we're going to cover why you need to specialise, and I really believe that you do, the secret of a successful specialism, and then we're going to dig into identifying your specialism, and there'll be plenty of time for frequently asked questions. At the end, you can ask me anything, and I'll give you my honest best answer to it. Um, so please do come along if overwhelm is something that you struggle with in your practice. I think it is for most of us. Uh, all the links that you need are in the show notes and I hope that I'm going to see you there. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Business of Psychology podcast. If you share my passion for doing more than therapy, then make sure you come over and join my free Do More Than Therapy Facebook community where you can work on getting your big ideas off the ground with like-minded psychologists and therapists. I'd also love it if you could leave this show a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It will help more of the people who need it to find it. See you next week for more tips and inspirational stories to help you do more than therapy.